Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Unplugged. I'm your host, Jacob Puckett. Today, we have something a little bit different for you guys uh, to listen to. We have two people on this interview in addition to myself, Johnny Sloan and Farron Atwood. Both are line technicians here at Blue Ridge Energy, and they have a very interesting story to share with you guys today. They help restore power to parts of Bolivia that were impacted by the Amazon wildfires last fall. Now, you're about to listen to both of them recount their story and their awesome experience to be able to help out people who are in need. Rural areas that we were in, we're used to having power everywhere. It's almost expected or that you're going to have power, you're going to have it 24-7, um, if it blinks, you call, and we come out and, and get it get it back on. And uh, there, they're just happy to have a light bulb. Um, I think Fernando um, from Cray told us was they had about uh, 5 kilowatt a day usage in a home. That wouldn't run our clothes dryers here. So what, uh, compare that. What would be like the average usage in a home here in America or like in our area? It's about bad. About a thousand kilowatts a month. Yeah, we'd be oh. about a thousand a month. So I can't do the math. I know it's a small percentage of that's a thousand. That's a tenth. That's a tenth. Probably bad. a tenth of what. That's a. Uh, I was a communication major. We can't do math. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I guess I should probably walk it back a little bit first. I know you mentioned Cray. So Cray, for people listening, Cray is an electric cooperative in Bolivia. It is something that was set up uh, by the NRECA and Blue Ridge helped start. I know we have a long history with Cray. We are helped them get started, helped them get their feet on the ground and moving, and helped provide electricity to some of the rural areas of Bolivia. And there's a lot of regions like this in the world. I know the NRECA has a big hand in South America um, in providing power to areas of Asia and uh, Africa in particular. So this is a worldwide initiative that the cooperatives participate in. They send people to every couple years to help progress these missions a little bit further along and help provide power to these areas and these economies that probably wouldn't have it otherwise. So these guys were our two volunteers most recently to head on this trip. And I think one of the biggest things that I know Farron and I talked to you about this, and Johnny, we might have talked about this as well. The last trip to Bolivia, these guys were at like 11,000 feet on a mountaintop. And then I asked you how cold it was. And then you said, cold. What do you mean cold? And I said, well, yeah, you're like 11,000 feet, so it had to be pretty cold, right? And you said, no, and you gave me the reality. So why were you guys down there? I think that, that gets back to the roots. Explain the area and what was the purpose of being in the area you were in. Well, we um, there was some large forest fires um, started back at the end of last summer, um, around in August, burn up about 500 million acres. Mm-hmm. And uh, which was on scale, if not a little larger than the Australian fires that you've heard about so much on the news here lately. And uh, it just burnt up some of their infrastructure, their poles and and some wires and things like that. And what uh, we were tasked with is going down and and rebuilding some of those lines, um, changing out some poles and and, uh, arms and things like that that were burnt up. And we were at about 900 feet. Um, We were in southern Bolivia where um, Eddie and Jerry's group had gone to the uh, northwestern part of Bolivia. They were up uh, at about 11,000 elevation where we were closer to 900. We were more in the the jungle basin of of the country where we had uh, really high temperatures and, uh, and really high humidity every day. 
and John, I can shoot a hop in on this one. Coming from Ash County, I know it's been cold. Probably not the coldest winter ever, but it's definitely a lot colder um, than Bolivia right yeah, now. So, it I mean, was, was that hard to get used to? Yeah, it was about uh, 30 degrees when I left the house that Sunday morning. And by the time we got to Bolivia and got out of the airport in Santa Cruz, I think it was, I don't know, about 530 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was probably already 85 degrees and the humidity wow. was just off the charts. And it only got hotter from there. And you guys, the further south we went, the hotter it got. Because, for context for people at home, I mean, you guys were in the Amazon. I mean, literally in the Amazon. So, part of the Amazon rainforest, I can imagine that was really, really hot. Um, Did it rain as much as you probably thought it would, or was it just just purely hot all the time and sunny? It rained a few mornings on us. Um, Nothing crazy, though. They said that they were in a little bit of a drought down there, Mm. and normally it just rains all the time. So, we kind of lucked up on that aspect it seemed like it only rained on the days we were climbing it's <laughs> yeah. you know we, it didn't rain it was sunny and hot when we were we hand dug all the holes and we may talk about uh, equipment and stuff a little later but we hand dug all the holes and it was really hot and sunny every day we hand dug but the days when we killed the wires and climbed it seemed like it rained on us every day you know the max of uh i'll talk about this too because now you got me thinking of um what's his name steve Irwin. you know he talking about the jungles but i think the max of the bad critters you'd run into in the mountains of north carolina maybe timber rattlesnakes maybe run up on a bear or something like that you run up on any uh surprises in the amazon i've always heard it's loaded with not really uh we were asking about that what we might see asking the guys down there and apparently the majority of the wildlife was killed or driven mm. away by the fires uh, so, uh, other than birds and, uh, I think, one boa constrictor we saw on the road one day. A few spiders. A few spiders and a few emus. That was about the only wildlife we yeah. encountered, which is sad, but it was probably a good thing, too, <laughs> for us. I, you know, I think expectations versus reality here. You guys, had, we, we had discussed that two people had already, two of our line technicians had already went a few months ago. So hearing from them, how did your expectations of the trip kind of compare to what reality was when you got there? You know, they were in a different area than us, which was part of it. But, um, you know, we were, we were cautious about what we ate was one of the big things, trying not to get sick and watching what we drank, especially the water. But you know we didn't really have a whole lot of anything to go off of what it was going to be like so of course i know i did i'm sure farron did too we had all kinds of crazy scenarios worked up in our minds what it was going to be like and then it was nothing even close to it when we got down there um so it was you know a surprise basically the whole trip all the way through did you find that the electric cooperatives here i mean not just blue ridge but in general in the united states did you find there were more similarities between us and them you know like cray or did you find a lot of differences what was your takeaway with that i thought they were fairly similar um other than of course the equipment that we that we were used that we're used to using here versus what we had down there that was pretty rudimentary as far as what tools they had and what equipment they had um but as far as their drive to to put out a, a quality product in, on their lines and and keep the power on and uh, their member friendliness wherever whatever little town or village we were in, I think that cooperative theme that uh, we try to carry on here and it's driven into us since we were apprentices here at Blue Ridge. Uh, 
Uh, it's apparently it's worldwide because they sure had it there. It yeah, was even with uh, the language barrier. You know, we couldn't really communicate with the linemen down there, but they were pretty well just like us. That same mentality that we have here. You know, and and they wanted quality work too. The linemen that we worked with, um, they uh, they took pride in what they did. Absolutely, you could tell that for sure. Absolutely, they did. It was it was a joy to work with them. And you talked about the equipment. Um, I know you guys did something special for me. We'll get to that. But kind of what were the equipment differences? I imagine that was quite a gap between what you guys are bringing and what they were probably using on a daily basis to to get their infrastructure back up and running, right? <laughs> we uh, well, when we hear, you think about changing poles out here, of course you're going to have a line truck to haul the poles out, dig the holes, and set the poles. And we never saw the first line truck. We Oof. uh we hand dug the holes. Uh, some of the digging wasn't too bad, but then some of it was awful. But they didn't have a, what we use, a line truck, no augers. They had a boom truck, basically, probably a 70-some model boom truck, and that's what we set the poles with, and then we climbed everything. Uh, they had one bucket truck that they brought from the uh, city of Santa Cruz where their main uh, office was, but I don't think the guys were too familiar with how to even run it they would boom up there and then get out of the bucket on the telephone and work off of the pole Mm. which is kind of unheard of and hand tools uh basically every nut they turned on a pole was with a crescent wrench Mm. um which is something that we don't use much anymore we we have them but we don't use them near like we used to but uh you know, we've got a lot of uh, impact wrenches and battery-powered tools now that uh, really uh, uh, save save us on as far as arms and elbows and shoulders go. But uh, it was just like they did everything by hand. And uh, where we would have a gas-powered drill, they had a chainsaw um, rigged up with a short chain on it and a bit on the end of it. Wow. So you board the poles with, with a chainsaw. It, it's just, it was a surprise that uh, it really made you appreciate what you have here to work with, that's for sure. And that, was that the biggest motivation for you guys, leaving your tools with them, uh, with those group of guys? That was part of it. Um, mm-hmm. We saw what they had to work with, which if they didn't climb with a ladder, they had homemade tools that, I guess they had went to a machine shop and had them made or made them themselves at home. And, uh, which, I mean, it worked. They got around just as good as we could, but it was on the dangerous side and very primitive. But, you know, the guys asked if they could buy our tools off of us. Mm-hmm. We, they, they were checking them out, and ours was definitely better than theirs, but they, I don't think they even realized that such tools were available. And, I don't know. We felt led that they needed them tools much more than we did. I know when the when we first got there and we all had these big backpack tool uh, pouches that we carried all our climbing tools in, and they were kind of curious the first day that we all met up, and we kind of pulled them out and showed them what we had, and uh, they said they won't work. These poles are too hard. They're too crooked. You guys, you can't use those here. You're not going to be able to. The first day when we went out to to some lay some poles off and dig some holes and and do some framing, uh, Johnny and I just put our tools on at the first pole we came to and and stepped up to the phone and stepped back down and they said, "Wow, they couldn't believe how easy it looked for us to climb their poles." That, that's when they started saying, "We need some of those." Uh, 
And so Johnny and I kind of talked after that first day, and and uh, we let them try our tools on and let them climb up a, a short ways and back down and kind of done just a little short training session with them with our tools. And Johnny and I kind of got together and said, you know, what if we just leave our stuff down here for them when we get done? And we had already kind of committed to the fact that we were going to do it. And so I text back to um, my operations manager and and said, uh, Johnny and I have come to the decision we're probably going to leave our climbing tools down here. And to the credit of Blue Ridge and, and the management here, they said, if you leave them, if they need them, and their company doesn't have a problem on the safety aspect of those guys having those tools, we'll replace them when you get back. And I think that speaks to the heart of this company. I mean, a lot of people talk about loving where you work or uh, kind of being a family atmosphere and supporting really being behind the mission of helping people in need. And I think that kind of speaks to volumes about this company. And I know in the days that have, you know, this has come out, uh, employees are ready to replace those tools with their personal money. And I thought that was also speaks volumes uh, about the people who work here and kind of what we do on a daily basis. I think it's kind of underscored just how much people love their jobs here mm-hmm. um, from the point of helping people. Yeah. You know, it's just that simple. I think people and really gravitate to the idea of, you know, these cooperatives were founded on a mission of helping people and providing electricity in places where it might not have been possible otherwise. And to this day, we still have that same mission. So I just think that's awesome you guys left those down there because what a difference that made in their lives. And now, instead of how are they even climbing the poles otherwise? I mean, were they just putting a ladder against Sabbath? Mean, what were they doing? They had ladders, which were extremely heavy um, and hard to get off the truck and carry to the pole, especially through the rough right away they had. And then otherwise they had a, it's like a half moon shaped metal apparatus with rebar spikes on the inside of it that would go around the pole and then kind of cock sideways and bite into it with just a little flat piece under their foot and one little strap to hold to their leg. Very unstable. It made my knees hurt just looking at it, but um, that and a little simple tool belt with nothing to hold their tools and a safety like we used to climb with before we went to 100% fall protection and it kind of made us nervous watching them climb (laughs) Uh, it made us really appreciate what we had for sure and they're uh, those homemade uh, C type climbers that they used uh, if the pole was if the diameter of the pole was was very big it wouldn't fit around it so they couldn't use them and if it was really a small diameter pole that they sit so far back it almost looks like it was just a humongous strain on their Achilles it just looked really uncomfortable and I feel like I'd be dropping the ball not to ask this question to you guys if you're a young line technician or just any line technician who's interested in in being part of the NRACA international program and going somewhere overseas to help out whether it's in Bolivia or Africa or Asia South America doesn't matter you know if you're on the fence about it what would you say to somebody who's on the fence about going and participating in this do it no question about it do it you owe it to yourself um i you know we went down there to help those guys and i think we came back uh, with more than what we took down there mm. and you know it i've got a whole different mindset on things now and you know I'm, I'm very glad i went down there and i would definitely do it again the only reason that i wouldn't do it again is if somebody else wanted to instead that hadn't got to experience that 
you know, we're we're blessed to have an ability and the training to do something that not everyone can do. There's a certain skill set that we've been blessed with that you can use to help someone else. And um, it would be a tragedy if you had an opportunity to go do that and to help someone acquire something that we take it, it for for granted. Um, it, it, it would be a tragedy. I, you, you'll be changed more going than you could ever imagine. I mean, it touches you. The friendship and fellowship that you have with the other linemen from the U.S. that go in your group. And, uh, I mean, that's lifelong friendships and communications you're going to have with guys from across the state and across the U.S. We had six guys from North Carolina, two guys from South Carolina, and a guy from Arkansas in our group. And we all still communicate yeah. with the, through a text group. Um, and then the, the people that you run into there and how appreciative they are that you come to help them, um, you, you get a lot out of it. That's for sure.